Good morning. Try to imagine. You're one of these one of a million people that are getting out of Egypt. You've been traumatized your entire life. Whatever the Egyptians said you had to do, no exceptions. You step out of line, you're done for. You're walking on eggshells your entire life. You're, you're working hard. If you, don't, if you don't carry your weight, if you don't work hard enough, again, you're done for. And, and, and you're praying every day that somehow you would be released. That somehow, some way, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would rescue you. And you've heard tale of this guy named Moses. He, he, he grew up in the palace. He was a Hebrew, but he grew up in the palace. He, he lived like a prince, which isn't a bad thing, by the way. He lived like a prince. But then, then he, 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 he killed an Egyptian taskmaster, and he took off. He's a fugitive. Now, the Bible doesn't talk about it, but you, it's not hard to imagine that he became somewhat of a folk hero to those slaves. This guy who grew up in the palace, but he didn't care about that. He took care of one of those Egyptians. Yeah. He got, they got what he deserved, that Moses guy. But, you know, it's not like today. It's not like they could track him. They didn't know where he was. They didn't know if he was alive or dead. And so for 40 years, this, this uh, 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 a legend of Moses grew. And then he shows up. 40 years later, he shows up. And he goes to Pharaoh, and he tells Pharaoh to let the people go, and Pharaoh says no. And then he, he works miracles. He sends plagues. There's gnats and blood and frogs and, you know, all these, these plagues. And finally, Pharaoh says, okay, go. Just, just, just go. And so you and all your friends and everybody you know, you take off. You're able to even plunder the Egyptians on the way out. You go. Pharaoh changes his mind. He realizes that his slave labor is walking out the door, and so he gets the strongest army in the world at the time, the Egyptian army, and he chases after them. You got the, the, the Red Sea in front of you, mountains to the left, mountains to the right, the Egyptians behind you. We need another miracle. The Red Sea splits. They go through. The Red Sea closes in on the Egyptians. Another miracle. Hooray! We're finally free. Can you imagine the euphoria on the other side of the Red Sea? And so they're singing. They're feasting. Hooray! We're out of Egypt. Everything is great for three days. And they run out of water. And that's a problem. So they cry out and they get water. And then they run out of food and they cry out and they get food. Then they run out of water again. So they cry out, they get water. And then, and then the Amalekites come around and they're defeating them. But when Moses' arms are up, they're winning. When Moses' arms are down, they're losing. And so, so the old guy has some friends, his brother Aaron, another guy named Hur. Joshua's doing the fight and they come up, lift his hands up, they win the battle. Woo-hoo. And then they go 190 miles Remember, former slaves, remember that mindset, all the stuff, 190 more miles till they get to the, the foothills of, of Mount Sinai, the very place where Moses uh, initially heard from God the burning bush. And that's when God speaks. And in chapter, chapter 19, God says, says this to the, the, to the children of Israel. He says, now therefore... 
If you will in, indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my special treasure. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And down in verse 8, the people respond. Then, then all the people answered together and said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. Now that sounds great. But, you know, they don't know what God, this is before the Ten Commandments. Pastor Tyler preached last week. Ten Commandments is chapter 20. We're in chapter 19 right there. So God says, I want you to do everything that I tell you to do. And they say, okay, we're going to do everything you tell us to do. But they don't even know what God is going to tell them to do. I remember uh, years ago, I think it was Alex, not Ben, came to me and said, Dad, please say yes to, you say yes first, and then I'll ask you the question. <laughs> no, I'm no dummy. I know what has already happened. Mom has already said no, and now they're coming to me and wanting me to say yes before, before you know, they even ask the question. I get that. That's not what's happening here. Or have you ever been around someone, maybe they have a thick, thick, thick accent from Alabama or something, and you can't um, understand them? Sorry, Joey. Uh, and, uh, or, or, or maybe they're a whisperer, a low talker, and, and they talk so low you can barely hear them. And you're going, mm-hmm, 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 yeah. And then they leave and you think, I hope I didn't just say I'm going to do something illegal. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. That's not what's happening here. This isn't a parent against a parent. This isn't uh, 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 someone speaking a different language or something like God very clearly says, all right, whatever I tell you to do, I want you to do. And they say, we're in. But do they really know what they're saying? Remember, they've been traumatized for, for, for 400 years. They're just learning about this God Almighty. He speaks in, in burning bushes. He, he's miraculous. He sends plagues. He's strong. He defeated the, the world's superpower. He provides bread and, 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 and quails and all the things. He, he's, he, he's a provider. He's way more powerful than Pharaoh. And we know how we had to respond to Pharaoh. When Pharaoh said, jump, you said, how high? And so now this God comes along and says, you do everything I'm going to tell you to do. And they say, okay, we're in. But do they really know what they're saying? I'm not so sure. And so Moses goes up on the mountain, and he gets the Ten Commandments, and he comes down, and, and while he's getting the Ten Commandments, there's smoke and thunder up at the top of the mountain, and lightning and trumpet sounds. All this stuff is going on. And the people are watching that, and Moses comes down. And this is what he says when he gets down. Now all the people witnessed the thundering and the lightning flashes, and the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when people saw it, they trembled, and they stood far off. And this is, this is, God is up there, this God who just rescued them, this God who's way more powerful than Pharaoh ever dreamed of being, and he's up there with Moses, speaking to him, the Bible later says, like a friend to a friend. Now, let me stop right there, let me ask this question. Would you want God Almighty to speak to you in a powerful way? Would you want God to tell you what to do or where to go or give direction? You want God Almighty to do that? We all, we all do, right? That's why we had this 24-7 prayer this week. People were in the building from last Sunday after church until till this Sunday morning uh, 
I, I was the last one in here this Sunday morning praying in the room 24-7 the whole week long. And the whole goal, the premise of that is we want to hear from God Almighty. We want God to speak to us. We want to hear from him. That's why we do it. Okay, well, this is what's weird. Verse 19, then they said to Moses, the people said to Moses, they see all the smoke and lightning and stuff. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. They said, we don't want anything to do with him. We know how it was with, Mo- with Pharaoh, and when, when Pharaoh spoke, man, if we didn't follow up by the T, we were done for. We don't want, this, this God is way more powerful than, we don't, you speak. You be our mediator. We don't want to, we don't want to talk to him. One misstep and, Moses says this, this is a really important verse. And Moses said to these people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. He uses the double word use of the word fear in the same sentence. He said, don't fear, do not fear, but fear the Lord. What's going on here? He's saying, don't fear, don't fear uh, the Egyptians. God's already taken care of them. Don't fear your lack of pro- uh, uh, provisions, water and, and food. God has already taken care of that. Don't fear that you're wandering in the wilderness, those 190 miles. God has shown he's here, he's here. Don't fear any of those things. But fear the Lord. And I don't know that these people understood what's really, what's really happening here. They're coming out of this traumatic lifestyle and now they're told you know, to, to, to not fear, but fear the Lord. Moses is going to, maybe, maybe, maybe the, the message version might help us out. The message version of, of that verse says this, don't be afraid, God has come to test you. And it doesn't say fear there, it says, says and instill a deep and reverent awe within you that you won't sin. Don't be afraid. God has come to test you and instill a deep and reverent awe. I think that's what fear of the Lord is. A deep and reverent awe. This week, just this week, I saw that um, Lifeway Research, I came out on Thursday, Lifeway Research did a, a study on churchgoers, you and me, and said that 69% of churchgoers in America are fearing for the future. 69%. Huh, maybe this is pretty relevant. Because Moses comes to the people and say, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the Egyptians. Pretty sure I'm not afraid of the Egyptians. I'm afraid of the Chinese or the Russians. I'm afraid of the Democrats. I'm afraid of the Republicans. I'm afraid of, of my, my boss. I'm afraid of... Moses is saying to the people, don't, listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of that stuff. God is your protector. God is your provider. God is your king and your providence. You don't need to be afraid. But fear the Lord. And what does he mean by fear the Lord? God has certainly shown himself. You know, he's up on the mountain, smoke and lightning and thunder. God is there. He's a, he is certainly a, a God to be reckoned with. He's not a mamby-pamby God. You gotta, you gotta have, have this reverence and awe for him, for sure, for sure, for sure. 
But I think there's, the, the children of Israel were afraid. They didn't, want to, they didn't want to talk to God. We said, we want to hear from God. So who's right? <sighs> Do you really want to meet with God? I mean, an all-knowing, all-powerful God knows what happened yesterday in your life, knows what's your future, knows your past, knows your secrets. Are you really ready to meet that God? Say, so, ooh, <laughs> maybe I'm more like the Israelites. Maybe I'm not quite ready. I got a few things I need to take care of. Maybe, I, maybe, maybe I'm not. Listen, this is not a remake of Jonathan Edwards' sermon, um, um, Sinners in the Hands of the Angry God. Jonathan Edwards was a revivalist in the 1730s, 40s, and this sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, has been called the greatest sermon ever preached in America. It helped lead and, and inform the, the uh, independence and the, and the Revolutionary War. It's a powerful sermon. People would, would hang on to the pews when Jonathan Edwards preached this sermon for fear that the floors were going to open up and they were going to be tossed in hell. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Because that's what's going on here. See, we Wesleyans, we, w- we wouldn't say that. We don't believe that we are sinners in the hands of an angry God. We don't believe that God looks at us like we're some sort of mosquito that he's ready to zap in the cosmic, you know, mosquito zapper. That, that, that we're worms that he's ready to put his heavy boot on. We don't believe that at all. We believe that God is a God of love. And a God that cares so deeply for you. And a God that longs to have relationship with you. And a God that goes the extra mile. It's not sinners in the hands of an angry God. It's sinners in the hands of a loving, forgiving, gracious, merciful, wonderful God. That's what we believe. And we believe, you know, who am I, Jonathan? This, this sermon is not going to go down in the, in the history as the greatest sermon in America. Who am I to, to question Jonathan Edwards? But that's garbage. Because, because God loves you. Well, pastor... This passage that we're supposed to be looking at, I've read ahead, you might say. I've read ahead. I've read chapters 22 and 23. And, 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 and it's a, God is pretty strict in there. I mean, I mean they're stoning for, for murder and stone the person for adultery and stone, stone them for mocking your parents. My kids would have been dead long ago. What's going on? Okay, let's talk about that. We need to address it. Um, the Egyptian way was kind of retaliatory justice. It was all about uh, revenge. You hurt me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe you out. You do something bad to me, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna not only, I'm not only going to do something ten times worse to you, I might even do it to your family. Retaliatory, it's all about revenge and violence. You poke my out, I'm going to wipe you out. And then the book of the covenant comes along and says, no, 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 no. It's not a retaliatory justice. It's reciprocal justice. Poke my eye out. I can't kill you, but I'm going to poke your eye out. Poke, you know, you hurt me. You knock out my tooth. I can't kill you, but I'm going to knock your tooth out. So it's reciprocal justice is what's going on here. And then along comes Jesus. 
You know, I think Jesus can even help us with our discussion on what the fear of the Lord means. Along comes Jesus. You ever want to know how God responds, how God reacts, how God is? Along comes Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Well, this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. He says this. He says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them and let them slap you on the other cheek also. You have heard it said, I've right to... Where did they hear it? They heard it right here in Exodus 21, 22, 23. That's where they heard it. Jesus' response is not a retaliatory justice like the Egyptians. It's not a reciprocal justice like the old covenant. He's calling for a radical justice. Your enemy pokes your eye out, guess what? You get to love him. Your enemy persecutes you, guess what? You get to pray for him. It's a different world now, Jesus is saying. And then remember the story in John chapter 8? Again, same thing. The, the, the Pharisees bring a woman that is caught in adultery. Teacher, they say to Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us, right there, Exodus 21, 22, 23, Stoner, stoner, stoner. The law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? And Jesus said, you're right, boys. Get out the stones. Let them fly. That's not what he said. He said, let any one of you without sin be the first to stone her. Jesus' response is not the law, but the love of God. And then Jesus tells this lady something really important. Something that sometimes gets overlooked. We've heard this story lots of times. You've heard this story, talked about, preached about. Lots of times, drop your stone. You're without sin, drop your stone. What's the last thing Jesus said to this lady? Go and sin no more. He wasn't winking at her sin. He wasn't okay with her sin. He didn't deny that she was uh, in an adulterous relationship. He was saying, listen, lady, don't do that anymore. And Jesus provides a way for us not to do that anymore. We do not have to be identified with our sin. We do not have to be uh, 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 encapsulated by our sin. Jesus offers us a better way, a different way, a way of grace and peace and love. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It's not sinners in the hands of an angry God. It's sinners in the hands of a loving God. Jesus' brother, when he was writing his letter, James, uh, he said this in James chapter 4, verse 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. That doesn't sound like a, like an sinners in the hands of an angry God, does it? That doesn't sound like what the Egyptians were fearing or what the Israelites were fearing and saying, Moses, you got to talk to God because we're afraid. We're afraid. We don't, we don't want to, we're trading one tyrant for another. You know, we had Pharaoh and now we've got God Almighty and he's going to wipe us out. And that's not it at all. Well, the truth of the matter is God loves you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God loves you. Even our, even our kids, even our kids in, uh, our discovery kids, you know, our youngest worshipers, they know that verse, God is love. And James goes on to write this, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. 
See, that's the big deal. It's not fear. Oh, my land, the day of judgment. John just said, so we can have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And one who fears is not made perfect in love. Jesus wants to make you made perfect in love. How does that happen? That happens as God works in our life and then through obedience and walking with him and in step with the spirit and and walking more and more and more with Jesus. He does a work deep within us. That's what we're talking about here. Jesus went to the cross not to appease some angry, uh, monstrous God. Jesus went to the cross because of his great love for you and me. Jesus stayed on the cross, not because of some monstrous, angry, Pharaoh-like God. He stayed on the cross because of his great love for you and me. They tried to, God tried to communicate this with the Israelites. He didn't leave them hanging. In, in Deuteronomy, it says this. The Lord did not set his affection on you and chose you because you were more numerous than other people. No, you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh the king. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, that he is a faithful God, keeping the covenant of love to a thousand generations for those who love him and keep his commandments. That's the point of all this. God rescued them to show them his deep love. Guess what? God does the same with you and me. He rescues us to show us his deep love for us. I, I, I may have told you this story. I love this story, though. So if you've heard it, forgive me. I love it. It's about a family that went to Disney World. And the... They were in, they went into the Magic Kingdom, Cinderella's Palace. And it was just super crowded, right? With all kids and parents. They're all in there waiting for Cinderella. And, and she came in. You know, Cinderella, perfect. Her hair is perfect. Her smile is perfect. In, you know, the pristine princess comes into the, into the ballroom. And all the kids just like all rush to, to Cinderella. If, if the castle was a boat, it would have flipped right over. All the kids went over there except one boy. One boy stayed on the other side. And he was deformed. He was uh, a dwarfed in size. Uh, it, it was very evident that he had had a lot of issues. Probably eight years old. And he, and he, he knew that he wanted to be with those other kids too. But probably because of fear of rejection or maybe he had been taunted or, or picked on by other kids, he just stayed on this corner. And, he, and you'd see it and you think, okay, Cinderella, see that kid. Just look at that kid. Go, go over to that kid. Guess what Cinderella did? She, she, she was firm and made a beeline to that boy, kind of splitting the kids away. And she got right down on her knee, right down by, by, by the boy's face. And she said a few words to him. And she kissed him right on his cheek. Right on that deformed cheek. And I read that story again this week. And I thought, that's, that's what God does for us. 
you know, we, we who've been beaten up by this old world, we who've been gone through it, not gone through it like the, the Israelites, not traumatized for 400 years, but some of you would say, listen, it hasn't been 400 years, but maybe it seems like it. And it even seems like, like God doesn't hear or God doesn't know or God doesn't care. I want you to know that God deeply loves you. He knows your circumstance. He knows where you're at. You want to know how God responds? Look to Jesus. James says, draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. You want to know how God how God reacts to, to your sins, to your problems, to your issues. Look to Jesus. What did he do? He went up to that lady. He didn't ignore her sin. He didn't excuse her sin. But he gave her marching orders. Go and sin no more. I got something so much better for you. He tells the same thing to you and me. Our God is a merciful, loving God. We are sinners in the hands of a loving, gracious, majestic, powerful, almighty God. And our fear of the Lord is that reverent, glorious fear. It's, a, it's an awe-inspired that chases away those other fears. 69% of churchgoers, fearful of the future. Listen, brothers and sisters, you need not fear the future. God is on the throne. He was, he will be, he is forever. You can trust him. When the enemy comes to bring you all the fears, just like those children of Israel, oh, we can't deal with that. Let God Almighty work. Let God Almighty show his love. And trust him. Just simply trust him. I'm going to pray. We're not even going to sing this morning. We're just going to pray. And there may be some folks here, man, you're just struggling. It's been a rough summer. Maybe because of some physical ailments. Maybe because of some poor decisions. Maybe it's because of what others have done. But it's been a rough summer. And so we're going to just pray that God would work in your life. And in your circumstance. And that you would, would sense and know God Almighty. We do want to hear from him. That's not something to be afraid of. That's something to rejoice in. Lord, you specialize in tidal waves. And we can trust you. We need not fear. But we can trust you. With a reverent, holy, majestic trust in God Almighty. So just be with us, Lord. Thank you again for this great day. Let us all just have a great week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.